0: Every five years, the National Young Farmers Coalition surveys young and black indigenous and people of color, or BIPOC, farmers, ranchers, and growers across the country to understand their brightest hopes and biggest challenges and the policy solutions that will help them be successful in their farming careers. In 2022 alone, the National Young Farmers Coalition received over 10,000 responses from past, current, and aspiring farmers. Those survey findings revealed that urgent structural challenges are standing in the way of many of these young and BIPOC farmers' success, including the number one challenge, which is access to land. In addition to land access, the survey also found many other challenges, including access to capital, healthcare costs, access to affordable housing, the high cost of production, student loan debt, climate change, immigration issues, and access to USDA federal programs. And the survey revealed that these barriers are even higher for farmers who identify as BIPOC. We all know that land is deeply intertwined with all aspects of farmers' success. And land access does not just impact farmers, Access to land is critical to the health and well-being of our environment, economy, and our marginalized communities. As more farmers reach retirement age now in the coming years, millions of acres of U.S. farmland are changing hands. We believe public policy holds the responsibility and the promise to facilitate land justice for the next generation of growers and land stewards. And as the 2023 Farm Bill approaches, we believe it's a critical opportunity to bring our farmers' voices together in order to build power for future change. Young Farmers started the Land Advocacy Fellowship in early 2022 as a part of a two-year advocacy and leadership fellowship for current and aspiring young farmers and ranchers. This fellowship is part of the National Young Farmers Coalition's 1 Million Acres for the Future campaign, an initiative to ensure that land is equitably transitioned to the next generation of farmers by changing policy in the 2023 Farm Bill that will be voted on later this year. So we've partnered with CalAg Groups on these three-episode podcast series to shine a light on the challenges and opportunities that face the next generation of farmers in California. Throughout this series, will be hearing from young farmers across the state, sharing their op-eds that will be examining how access to land has been their number one challenge facing their and their next generation of farmers in the United States. This series not only acknowledges how centuries of discrimination and dispossession have made this barrier even higher for BIPOC farmers, but also how the 2023 Farm Bill, which is the primary food and agriculture policy tool of the U.S. government, is one of our last chances to ensure that land transitions equitably to the next generation of farmers moving forward. Hi, my name is Hector Luis Calderon Victoria. I'm a farmer and the California Farm Organizer with the National Young Farmers Coalition. I'm also a product of my ancestors, an immigrant, an artist, a member of my community, an advocate, a foodie, and a cook amongst many other things. Join me and my comrades on these episodes as they share their stories about the structural challenges that stand in their way to gaining access to land in the state of California. In this Cal Root series called An Ear to the Ground, this is the third episode of three episodes in a multi-part series, which focuses on the land access in California, but also throughout our nation. This episode features op-eds from three land advocacy fellows.
1: My name is Brooke
0: Porter.
2: My name is Lily Natta. Allie McMorrow.
0: They speak about how their communities are impacted by systemic inequalities and how they are practicing food sovereignty for their communities through farming. They all have different stories and come from different places, but they are all united by the same dream of owning land.
1: Greetings, my name is Brooke Porter. I'm from Oakland, California, and I steward land in El Cibrante on unsuceded Ohlone territory. And I'm a founding collective member, land steward and educator with Agroecology Commons. Agroecology Commons is a worker self-directed nonprofit that cultivates knowledge sharing, community action, and global solidarity for agroecological land stewardship, collective healing, and justice within the food movement. I'm also a land fellow with the National Young Farmers Coalition. As part of my work, I help facilitate the Bay Area Farm to Farmer Training Program, BAFT, an educational initiative rooted in horizontal popular education, social justice, and agroecological land stewardship principles organized by our collective agroecology commons and a large network of farmers, community organizers, and food sovereignty advocates. We seek to train predominantly landless aspiring young farmers with the technical hands-on farming skills, as well as theories, practices, and applicable histories to transform our food system. With Agroecology Commons, I also cooperatively steward three acres with three other women in El Cerrante, California, where we tend to bees, support a goat sheep herd, and are building out an educational incubator farm for graduates of BAT. Through this work, I watch countless aspiring, predominantly black, indigenous, people of color, queer, and femme farmers graduate from this program each year with a deep desire to connect with the land, to have a space to grow their ancestral crops, and to be in relationship with the healing power of soil. Yet the price of land in California, the lack of generational wealth as a result of years of systemic racism and the skyrocketing startup costs of starting a farm business all serve as insurmountable barriers for the next generation of farmers. As government officials sit on Capitol Hill debating the upcoming 2023 Farm Bill, the largest piece of federal legislation that influences our nation's agricultural sector, I ask that our nation listens to the next generation of aspiring farmers, many of which who have been dispossessed from the land due to the colonial legacies that plague the Americas. As someone who has worked with food and farming initiatives over the years throughout the Americas, I believe it is vital that we understand the historical roots of our food system. Throughout the Americas, north and south, a collective reckoning is taking place as the ramification of the continent's colonial legacies continue to unravel. Be it hacienda, latifundio, or plantation systems that have resulted in the displacement and enslavement of indigenous and Afro-descendant peoples, to the exploitation of cheap manual farm labor from across the globe, contemporary food systems throughout the Americas are built on stolen land and labor. Which continues to result in unjust land distribution and inequity when it comes to farming. While these histories are complex, many of our comrades to the South have fought for justice and have undergone multiple iterations of agrarian reform, be it state sanctioned or grassroots. Throughout the Americas, there have been ongoing attempts to undo the harm caused by colonial land relations. One example, is the peasant mobilizations that were sparked during the Mexican Revolution between 1910 and 1917, which resulted in the return of ancestral lands during the early 20th century. Similarly, Brazil's MST movement, the Movimiento de Trabaladores en Teja, leveraged their 1988 post dictatorial constitutional right to land reform, as well as land occupations organized by dispossessed farm workers throughout the Andes who have fought neoliberal agro-export corporations. This struggle knows no borders. As someone who has spent their life between North and South America, I've watched these unjust land relations continue to play out. Throughout history, the U.S. government has consistently undermined its efforts for land justice in the Americas, knowing that agrarian reform is at the heart of undoing the harm caused by its own colonial legacy. Our nation is finally reaching a pivotal moment where a large portion of society is beginning to understand the importance of land back movements and reparations that have long been called for by Black and Indigenous communities for centuries. Radical structural change is long overdue within our government, in order to uplift decades of grassroots organizing led by countless communities. After decades of deep-seated inequalities within our food systems, We're at a pivotal time in history in which it is critical that we advocate for our federal government to put land and resources into the hands of communities that they have been stolen from. The 2023 Farm Bill has the capacity to be an important tool to facilitate this and further support a people's food sovereignty movement already in action. In the US, a complex economic and political setting characterizes our nation. We are at a turning point regarding farming, as the average age of farmers reaches 57 years and 98% of the land is owned by white people. Over the next 20 years of my life, nearly half of the U.S. farmland is expected to change hands, while a generation of aspiring landless young farmers longs to steward it, but struggles to find secure land tenor. As a Land Fellow with the National Young Farmers Coalition, we are asking for a $2.5 billion investment in projects that support a just transition of our food system. This Farm Bill presents an opportunity to leverage much needed and long overdue agrarian reform in this nation, but this work does not stop at land tenure. I urge policymakers to adopt more agroecological practices through the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, and ensure that funding is accessible to farmers and ranchers with small-scale conservation projects, as well as producers with cooperative business structures. May the Department of Agriculture ensure the accessibility and accountability of USDA programs, centering young farmers of color and increasing access for the next generation of farmers as a whole. I also strongly encourage policymakers to provide quality and affordable farmer housing as a basic right improve credit access for farmers, and urge our federal government to seriously engage with the climate crisis, a topic all too familiar for those of us working closely with the land. Land is deeply intertwined with the health of our nation, be it spiritual, physical, or environmental. Even those who believe that agriculture is a far-distance crime from their reality, I can assure you that the Farm Bill has long-lasting influence over your life and well-being. I encourage you to learn more about the upcoming Farm Bill and how to support aspiring farmers with secure and affordable land access. Thank you for listening to my story. We must
3: tell our stories
1: before they're
3: gone Cause they will not listen if we don't speak
2: My name is Lily Nada. I'm 23 years old, and I'm from Santa Cruz, California. While I was in college, I found myself facing a number of mental health issues that hindered my ability to function in day-to-day life. One of the major symptoms I experienced for the first time during this period was disassociation. The Mayo Clinic defines depersonalization derealization disorder as persistently or repeatedly having the feeling that you're observing yourself from outside of your body or have a sense that things around you aren't real or both. Dissociation for me felt like I was transported into this dreamlike state existing separately from everyone else, and left unable to determine what was real or not. Derealization is comparable to having an invisible and impenetrable layer of saran wrap around me at all times. This layer isolated me from everyone around me and forced me to feel as though every family member and close relationship I'd ever had were just figments of an imaginary world. Depersonalization further imprisoned me as I felt stuck on the outside of my body watching everything including myself from an outsider's perspective. This sensation further magnified the guttural sensation that nothing around me was real, including myself. Despite trialing numerous medications and therapies, nothing felt like it mattered in this perpetual state of disconnect, left me feeling beyond unstable, nihilistic, and ultimately led to self-destructive behaviors. I narrowly survived my first year of college, and the following quarter found myself interning on the farm we had on campus, still stuck in the trenches of dissociation and depression. Farming proved to be physically and mentally challenging. Spending up to eight hours at a time harvesting sun-gold tomatoes even made me resentful of the golden little gems. The greatest challenge, however, was having no choice but to spend hours of solitude inside a mind that felt inhospitable and removed. I toiled over the inability to feel grateful for the privilege to farm in such a beautiful place. I grew resentful of the internal barrier that prevented me from developing relationships with my fellow interns, which was a process that seemed so effortless and fun for others. Every day I sunk my hands into the soil, witnessing the cyclical patterns of nature. I observed and became a part of a life from seed to flower. The tiny seeds unfurled their cotyledons and outstretched their palms toward the sun. They expanded their roots into life-sustaining plants until the end of each plant cycle would come and their remains would fertilize the soil for the next generation. The physical components of farming brought their own lessons. Farming involves full days spent hunched over hours with the weight of my body pressed into my knees and weeks tediously sowing barely visible seeds into cells for the next growing season. These kinds of repetitive and strenuous physical tasks often created a sort of forced embodiment for me. I would experience glimpses in which the depersonalized third-person perspective I had been perceiving the world from would descend from the clouds and return to my body. These patterns, physical tasks, and countless metaphors I witnessed while farming slowly helped unravel the confines of the self-destructive and detached prison I was bound inside of. My initial quarter-long internship at my farm morphed into three years of tending that same soil. Beyond being an integral part of managing my mental health, my experience on my campus farm equipped me with countless tools and relationships, both of which I would have deemed impossible at the start of my land journey. Because of the transformative experience I've had while farming, it's become my goal to create spaces where people can experience the healing nature of working with the land through horticulture therapy and deciding to farm for a living and pursuing something that I feel has given me purpose, I also feel a deep sense of concern and uncertainty. Along with the extremely challenging realities of farming in the midst of the climate crisis, I fear that I will be unable to ever work for a livable wage or earn anything close to enough to purchase my own land. It is also imperative to acknowledge that, despite the inequitable access to knowledge, resources, and technical assistance that I face as a young farmer, My experience has been extremely privileged. The opportunity to have a healing experience while farming, let alone learn new skills while working, is a starkly different reality than that of the vast majority of people working in our food and agricultural systems. For example, in Young Farmer's 2022 national survey, 65% of Young Farmer respondents said that they worked over 40 hours per week during their farming or ranching season. Many farmers today also carry generations of trauma stemming from colonialization, land theft, slavery, abusive labor practices, and the continued racism and exclusion from land access that young and farmers of color face. On top of that, Black and Indigenous farmers are also more likely to be mistreated by the USDA. In Young Farmers' 2022 survey, Black and Indigenous farmers were more likely to report being denied access to federal programs. Being ignored by local or state USDA staff, and that a local or state USDA employee acted in ways that were unwelcoming to them based on their race. This reality does not even scratch the surface of the deeply layered and multi dimensional realities inextricably tied to land. Discussing farming today also cannot be done honestly without acknowledging the impacts of the climate crisis. With a third of Pakistan underwater this past summer and Somalia on the brink of famine, It is without question that climate change is here and already gravely impacting the least contributors to climate change first. As for farmers, 73.3% of young farmer respondents have experienced at least one climate impact on their farm in the past five years, according to the Young Farmers 2022 survey. The same survey also showed that 88% of these young farmer respondents attribute the weather changes they experience on their farms to climate change. Almost half of the U.S. will likely change hands in the next 15 years. The 2023 Farm Bill is a crucial opportunity to make drastic changes to who is stewarding our land and how it is managed. This bill would allocate $2.5 billion towards promoting community-led initiatives that protects farmlands, combats land loss in communities of color, and increases equitable access to USDA programs while also holding these programs accountable. This is an opportunity to return land to farmers who have been and continue to be forcibly removed, exploited, and excluded from land. This is also an opportunity to create more healing spaces for farmers like myself, who cannot fathom having the kind of relief I've experienced without the ability to farm. My hope is to share the therapeutic and transformative experiences I've had while farming with others. Farming it is an opportunity to heal the land, our communities, and ourselves. Changing who has access to land in this country through federal policies our chance to do this. To support equitable farmland access and initiatives like mine, please reach out to your local representatives and urge them to support the 2023 Farm Bill.
3: McMorrow, Chico, California. Butte County, the unceded lands of the Machupta Indigenous Peoples, is known for its multi-million dollar agriculture industry nowadays. In the late 1800s, it was quote unquote discovered that the soils of our county supported many of the crops grown throughout California. By the 1950s, agriculture had become the principal source of income. According to the 2020 Butte County Crop Report, The top $3 million agriculture commodities take close to 103,000 acres to produce. My name is Allie McMorrow and I was born and raised in Butte County. I feel that it is my obligation to continue being a steward of this precious land. This land has the potential to continue nurturing our ever-growing population. I grew up surrounded by trees and an abundance of food and I want to give support where needed to ensure that continues. Unfortunately, there are many barriers in place to owning or leasing land. Owning land would give me the opportunity to support my community's local food system. As a young vegetable farmer living in Northern California, I'm afraid that I will no longer have the opportunity to continue my career in agriculture, a career that I have a deep rooted love for and an industry that desperately needs me. In 2016, I received a bachelor's degree in crops and horticulture from the College of Agriculture, Chico State University, Chico. As a student, I had the opportunity to work on farms through internships where I experienced firsthand what it would require to own and maintain land. My goal after completing my education was to purchase a plot of land so I could feed my community while nurturing the land in the process. The National Young Farmers Coalition found that 78% of respondents to their 2022 national survey are first-generational farmers. I chose to pursue an education in agriculture because I did not come from a family of farmers or have a background in farming. My family immigrated to the US from Mexico in the 1970s, and many of my relatives were farm laborers. They spent their lives supporting this agricultural community, but were never able to afford land of their own. I share a similar experience. I am unable to purchase land because I have a large chunk of student loan debt, and my income and credit scores are too low to be considered for a loan. Coming out of the pandemic, I was forced to put a pause on my farming career and began running my own landscaping business in order to keep up with the ever increasing cost of living. The most recent farm that I managed was grant funded and when the grant ended, my wages were drastically cut. My story is not unique. 58% of farmers have another occupation. It can take many years for a farm to get to the point where it is producing high yields and making profit. In order to support the needs of the farm and the farmer, off-farm work becomes a necessity. Fortunately, I have found a way to make a living outside of farming, but this is not the case for many young farmers across the country. Research from the United States Department of Agriculture shows that across the country, the current generation of farmers is aging out of the profession. The average age of US farmers is nearly 60. If we do not help bring young people back into farming, it will become more of a hobby or retirement activity than a public service. Farming is critical to our food supply and rural economies. Agriculture feeds us, nurtures our land and provides jobs. Just as we provide incentives to enter the field of medicine, education and other public service careers, we need to encourage young people to make careers in agriculture. Land access is critical to the health and well being of our economy, environment, and communities impacted by historical and systematic oppression. Yet, access to land is the top challenge facing the next generation of farmers in the US. The Young Farmers 2022 survey also found that 78% of respondents struggled with a lack of capital. US farmers manage and steward close to 1 billion acres of land which is almost half of the land in the United States, and half of all farmland is expected to change hands in the next 20 years of my life. This land can provide erosion and sediment control, waterways can be protected and water can be infiltrated back into the soil. Currently in Northern California, we are experiencing more dry wells every year. According to the Butte County Drought Emergency Update, there were 72 reports of dry wells as of this summer. There's a desperate need to stabilize the atmospheric abundance of CO2, and depending on the farming practices, there is an opportunity for land to store carbon versus releasing it back into the atmosphere. I joined the National Young Farmers Coalition Land Advocacy Fellowship, along with 99 other farmers and ranchers from across the country because I want to help spread this message in order to make the necessary changes to our food system. Young Farmers is an intersectional coalition that works for justice and collective liberation of our food and farm systems. We help shift power and change policy to equitably resource the next generation of working farmers. Our vision is for a future where farming is accessible to communities oriented towards environmental well being and is free of racial violence. As part of this work, Young Farmers also advocates for policies that recognize farming as a public service. Our tax dollars fund federal agriculture programs, and these programs should provide support for all, especially those who have been consistently left out of past opportunities. For generations, public policy has facilitated the dispossession of millions of acres from black, indigenous, and other people of color while facilitating land ownership and access for white Americans. 95% of US farmers are white, 64% are male, With percentages like these, it's very clear that there is a lack of support for non-white male farmers. BIPOC communities have intentionally been excluded from funding for agriculture and food programs. In 1999, the USDA admitted to decades of discrimination against Black farmers in its loan and land access programs. In 2000, the USDA settled on an 11-year lawsuit that paid up to $50,000 to several farmers for discrimination in their loan program. As a white farmer, I am advocating for land policy change that centers around equity and justice for all, and I'm advocating for the end of discrimination against the BIPOC community and support for all farmers. As a part of Young Farmers 1 Million Acres for the Future Campaign, I am asking Doug LaMalfa, my member of Congress, to pass a 2023 Farm Bill that makes this historic investment in equitable land access. We need to actively remove the roadblocks that are keeping young farmers off the land. Secure, equitable access to farmland is an issue that impacts us all and the future of our food and agriculture systems. All of our voices are important in calling on Congress to create a 2023 Farm Bill that supports young farmers. This is a pivotal moment to make investments in the individuals who will steward agriculture land and grow food for our communities into the future. Our nation must act now to secure affordable access to land for young farmers and farmers of color. There's no time to wait.
0: Thanks for listening to the Cal Ag Roots podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can check out other stories like this one at www.agroots.org or on Apple podcasts or anywhere else you can get podcasts. And by the way, if you subscribe and rate this show, it will help other people discover it. To get involved with the campaign and receive action alerts, visit www.p, the number two, a.co forward slash land. Now, some important acknowledgments. This podcast narration was written by me, Hector Luis Calderon Victoria, a farmer and a California organizer for the National Young Farmers Coalition, with the generous support and brainstorming of both CalAg Roots producer Caroline Collins and associate storyteller and researcher Lee Schmidt, both of whom work at the California Institute for Rural Studies. And lastly, for production assistance and audio engineering, which was provided by Lee Schmidt, associate storyteller and researcher at the California Institute for Rural Studies. The Ear to the Ground series was made possible with the support from the 11th Hour Project and the Schmidt Family Foundation. And finally, special thanks to our farmers in this three-episode series, Mayra Perez, Jaime Sosa, Veronica Masariego, Anastasio, Stephanie Ortiz, Temu Wasir Martin, Brooke Porter, Lily Nauta, and Ali McMurrow, who all took the time to write their stories and make time to be recorded. By making sure that the world can hear these stories, They help us learn more about these stewards of the land and farmers in our beautiful state of California who protect and bring food to our communities daily. So thank you for all your hard work.